Hey guys, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast, episode 12, joined with Dermot. We're going to run through some uh, digestion tips, some some causations of, of poor digestion, and hopefully give everyone a, a bit of an insight into uh, how to improve their digestive health. D, how are you, man? I'm great, yeah. Doing good. How are you, yourself? Good, good. It's been a while since we... Yeah, it's been We're a little bit rusty, I think. But uh, <laughs> we'll just... Um, just kind of run through a little bit of a, a recap, really, D. What's been going on with you, man? What have you been up to since we since we jumped on one of these last? Since we've even chatted, I, I run now. Oh, yeah. Part-time so, bodybuilder, part-time runner. Well, I'm, I wouldn't call it run, but it's more so I just like lean my center of mass forward and fall. For like five <laughs> <days>. <laughs> and is, this is just something you picked up recently? Um, so my, my mom wanted to train for a marathon and she won't train without me. So we're doing it together. So you're going to do a marathon? I, I'm going to do a marathon, man. <laughs> Are you actually going to do one? Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Do you know what? I, I think if anything, the last year has taught us it's to broaden your horizons a little bit more. Like the fact that we don't have the gym at our availability. It's like, right, let's just start fucking doing something else. And I think for myself, even from like a programming perspective, I'm even starting to program a lot of things now that I probably wouldn't have programmed before just because we don't have that availability. A lot more aerobic work coming in. So that's pretty exciting. How has... um. How's everything else been, man? How's everything in life been at the moment? Right, yeah. I'm in in, in a nice little routine at the moment. Um, I lost lost my way for a couple of weeks. Just, um, I suppose, as you do, head was not in a fantastic spot, let's say, but I'm doing splendidly now. How about yourself? Good, man. Go back on prep at the moment. So um, I'm going to do a photo shoot in August, 16th of August, we're booked in for. So um, do you know what, dude? I just, I, just, I just got into a good groove, man. I'm like, right, do you know what? Training is going fantastic at the moment. Back feeling strong, back feeling like I'm not gonna, I was never big, but like somewhat big up to like 94 kilo, like actually relatively lean at 94 kilos. Well, which is surprising for me because I went through a little bit of a chunky phase during during the lockdown. So ran a little recomp and said, you know what? The fire, you know, you know yourself, the when the fire is there, it's there, and you just have to go with it, man. Don't you like when the fire is lit, you're like, right, you know what? I just have to get myself into this so um yeah booked booked a shoot 16th of august and um, got myself a new coach and everything is just going good man like business is going well and i think of how we have things set up now just the way we run our check-ins and the efficiency of everything it's the it's a perfect time to prep and like i had a couple of holidays lined up that obviously can't go ahead now because covid is supposed to be actually in Dubai now at the moment it's as we speak yeah man so oh, it's supposed to be in Dubai now at the moment I don't want to talk too much about it it was emotional and sensitive topic but um, we're supposed to be away at the moment so with that being cancelled and I'm like you know what no better way and you know what I think as well dude I we, we have like a nice little run now of our own prep clients that are going to be starting on the 5th of March I think it'd be nice for me to get involved with them so that's the kind of that's been that's been me. So yeah, training's gone good. Um, training in a facility now at the moment that's really really good and like kind of like a closed off little environment. But I feel it's a perfect thing for a prep. You know, I feel you know what it's like going to this. Sometimes you, you'd rather be a little bit kind of inclusive and a little bit kind of pulled away from the bigger kind of mainstream gym gym settings and environments. And you know, a lot better than training from home. So uh, yeah, that's that's kind of been me. Business is good. Um, and training is very good at the moment. So I'm a, I'm a happy. Happy camper. Um, how has clients and stuff been with you, man? How, how is everything rolling on that front? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm so happy with how people are getting on. It's it's nice, I suppose. Like we're all in a routine now where this is just is how it is. And sometimes I'm doing check ins and I'm like, watch Mark two training footage. I mean, like, you probably don't need to return to a gym. 
Nah, that's not. <laughs> Everyone be like, if, if the gym's open up and D starts continuing home workouts for me, they're going to crack. <laughs> no, but, but like but what, I, what I mean is training, training can be so efficient from home if we set it up well. Yeah. And like you, we've seen, we've seen over the last, over the last year now, like people have like continued to progress. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter your experience, I suppose. It's just your ability to work with what you got and like even even with extremely limited kit we can still progress which is very very cool that's very, very yeah cool. that, that's what i found in the last especially this this prep rotation that we've had from january to now the results that we've gotten with people and like most of them haven't had like much like you're talking a couple of dumbbells in a band but still managing to get like very very good levels of condition really good holding and maintaining fantastic levels of muscle mass and even building tissue throughout we're like do you know what you're right like a lot of, i think obviously people will return back to the gyms but i think people are starting to just become so so accepting of it now that they're like whether we have the gyms or whether we don't like we're still just gonna crack on the way we need to crack on and make the progress that we need to we need to make you know yeah i i agree and it's it's cool cool to see as well um yeah, it's it's really really cool to see. I know we've had this conversation many a time. Where if you were, if we had chatted about this eighteen months ago, what do you mean you're not willing to train from a gym? No, <laughs> but I think I think so many people have invested so much. Like when, when we do like consoles, like we I had like three people on board this weekend that they may as well have a fully kitted out gym in their house. Like you're talking plates and barbells, dumbbells past 200 kilo. Like you're talking incline benches, like all these different setups now, the home pulley systems. Like people have invested so much in in their their home training because it clearly means that much to them. That and any, anyone listening on, like you know, I know a lot of people were nearly banking on it being April, May. If you have the means, I would highly, highly, highly recommend investing. And in, even if you could get like. 100 kilo worth of weight whether it's plates dumbbells just something to have a home to means that you can continually progress because i think so many people sat on the back foot i'm like i don't want to make that investment be the best money you ever spent 100 percent. especially like if you bought them i said the adjustable dumbbells up to 40 kilos or 400 weight or something like that or maybe 500 weight that's your year's membership that you would have saved <laughs> but that that over the last year you would have been able to progress what can't you do with an adjustable dumbbell? Absolutely everything. You know, you're literally like unlimited. But that's that's definitely another day's another it's, day's topic. It's massive there, though. Sorry, the dumbbells, are, the dumbbells are massive. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even it's so funny watching like watching feedback, uh, client feedback, and they're doing like a side raise, but it's on like a five kilo dumbbell. But the dumbbell is so big; it's adjustable dumbbell, but it's obviously so light for them. Or watching gir- girls do biceps or hammer curls, and the dumbbell is just so big; it's hilarious. But look, I just I'm so admirable of people, and you know what I think? It's I think over the last couple of weeks when we've been like lamping out the transformations, I think it's brought a lot of inspiration to people as well that so many people have been like sitting on the back foot about training from home and the availability of being able to get really good results from home that they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it now. I'm just going to take the bull by the horns and I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm just going to do it. But it's, it's definitely been a year that, like we said, has just opened up people's mindsets and opened up people's uh, thought processes on training an awful lot more I think 
Yeah, I, I, I really, really agree. I really agree. Right, too. So I'm going to go through digestion today. It's one of the topics that I think we've definitely been like meaning to cover because we've kind of covered a lot on the podcast. Now we're 12 episodes in, but we've covered a lot and a lot of really good topics. And this is definitely one that I think I think for a lot of people, there's just misinformation out there. You know, whenever we, we read up on digestion, and again, one of the, the big things that we're going to really try to cover within today is the mindset when we think about digestion that prevention is always better than cure. You know, I think whenever people think about, oh, I'm bloated, got constipation, diarrhea, I've got this, I've got this, the, the immediate thought process and action behind it, it's always, how do I cure this? Not how do I prevent this from ever happening again? And what we're going to kind of overview in a sense nearly at the start today is that the majority of the causations are going to come from things that we can prevent happening. And I think from, from a digestive standpoint, a lot of those common, there's obviously uncommon things that may not fall into that category. But most of the common digestive problems that people face can be met with more of a prevention standpoint, I feel. So, um, what we'll kind of run through first, which is probably the biggest one, stress. I think we both agree on that one. Yeah. Um, so I I have yet I have yet to meet a client who hasn't benefited from us getting really, really good at being a, a, a chill ass. What can we call them? A chill, a chill ass human. Uh, let's let's say um and it's one of them things where especially for digestive issues a lot of it is massively influenced by stress so for example it is like you might have this slight underlying something so let's call it a slight underlying intolerance to something or maybe it might be an excessive amount of fructose that sets sets your digestive um digestion off but that is going to be multiplied by stress. Um, yeah. so, so if we if we can get really really good at eating in a stress free environment, or being getting really really good at being chilled out, full stop. Um, vast majority of cases, along, along with I suppose everything else that we do, um, nutrition wise as well, is going to be so helpful that it's, it's hard to say that it's the stress a lot, like the us getting better at managing stress alone, but everything. As a, as a whole, can be really really beneficial, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think the, the 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 tone of stress needs to be needs to be addressed with people, and you know, from from a lot of people, I think it's it's, it's eating in that stress state. And but I think from a lot of people, they don't un- really understand the implications that it may have. So to 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 not like go into too too much of a, of a deep conversation about this, but just to kind of keep it relatable to people. When we talk about stress, we're talking about that kind of sympathetic and parasympathetic tone. So we're looking at that that constant relationship that we're trying to have. And like you said, you know, it's what we try to do. We try to, to teach people when when you're stressed and when when you're allowed to be stressed, try to keep your food away from that window as close as possible. So if you look at like this whole kind of old methodology that the second you walk out with gym, you need to start swamping food. Like we, we will kind of have that allowance that when you do, when you're in the gym and you're training or you're training from home or when you're, you know, coming out of a very, very stressful meeting and work, or you've just got off the phone from the mortgage advisor, you just got off the phone from the accountant, probably not the most optimal time to eat your food. Just in the simple, simple reason, you know, there's a massive 
diversion of blood flow away from the gastrointestinal system. There's a huge secretion of enzyme production in the gastrointestinal system. And you think about it, like if we were myself and D at the moment getting chased by lions back in the animal kingdom, we're not going to start sitting down and start eating food. And the, the body doesn't understand that differential. We don't, the body does not understand the changeover in when we were biologically ingrained, being chased by those lions out in the field versus picking a hundred kilo off the floor. Stress is still stress. And what we need to kind of understand is that that poor response from a digestible standpoint. So is there anything that you would like program for people from a stress point of view around food? Yeah, um, quite quite a bit. Um, so so one thing that I'm I'm sure pretty much everybody has came across, especially if, if you've tried to get like pretty good at doing some meditation, is yeah, it, it, it is beneficial. Um, it's definitely beneficial, but it's only as beneficial as you as much as you do it. Um, but but one of one of the one of the things that is more realistic for everybody to do forever is just ninety seconds before eating a meal just chill out do some guided breathing then um even even like post post workout we might be able to pull that especially if you're pushing through it and you do have the time meals and stuff um we we can probably get into a parasympathetic state a lot faster if we're doing if we can do like two minutes two minutes of guided breathing after we train because we know we need to get a meal in kind of thing um yeah and then like just kind of our normal stress management stuff as well um like phone off in the evening all, all that good stuff that we all, all every single one of us should be doing um we all know how much better we feel for it as well so it's just a matter of being like okay right it's, it's, it's part of who i am it's part of what i do the phone's off do you think as well the the subtraction of of certain aspects around the feeding window, like subtraction of social media, subtraction of like environments, they're obviously going to play a massive role as well, right? Yeah, um, ma- massively. Now, sometimes what what I find personally is like I don't have any digestive issues, so I will probably watch something as I eat. Mm. Um, the, who, who knows? Is does the opportunity that that comes back and bites me in the ass in, in ten years time? I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like, um, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like you might be the same there as well. It's just like if I'm if I'm not working, I'm eating. And I, I want I want to catch up on something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think for, for again from from our our aspect, it's always at that that phase of prevention. So even though we may like pop up the ipad or pop up the phone when we're watching something on 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 you know youtube or catching up on something on social media but we have also trained ourselves like training the gut to be in a very relaxed position while we while we eat the food but i think what when, when we're speaking of that what a lot of people don't do is they will jump on social media and they'll jump on you know they'll have like a can of monster with a meal or have a coffee with a meal and that like immediate offset of caffeine is going to hugely spike sympathetic dominance and for them it's like they haven't put their body into a responsive state to be able to digest the food in in the first place so you know I'm, i've definitely fallen victim to it as well in the past where like i've either eaten them to meal too fast or i've eaten the meal in that environment and i think for a lot of coaches obviously now not at the moment but when coaches think about 
their digestion. It's like when you're eating a, eating a meal on the gym floor or you have a client at five o'clock and you have another client at six and you finish the first client at five to five and you run inside and try to throw down 400 calories of chicken and rice in between a client, you have to understand like your digestive system has to be treated with respect. To, to get a respectful response out of it, it needs to be treated with respect, 110%. And I think just having that, having that consistent awareness of it. And look, what as well, I think people always get so wrapped up in this mindset of having to eat as well. You know, you don't have to eat consistently throughout the day. You know, you can have large, large meals start the day. You can have, you know, if you know you have four, four or five hours during the day where stress levels are like up to the nines, if you've got four clients back to back or us as online coaches now, if you have, you know, a check-in window where you're going to bash through 15 to 20 check-ins and, and between that period you need to have cognitive function at 100 don't ever be afraid to push meals out to avoid those highly stressful high, highly stressful kind of time periods but i think definitely just controlling that controlling that sympathetic tone a lot more having that availability of more blood flow to the gut having that availability of more enzyme production in the gut and as well you know when you're in that parasympathetic state like you're gonna be you're gonna be more responsive and respectful like i said and when you're in that sympathetic tone it's just not the most respect most respectful time to be trying to to die like we said think back to that analogy of being chased by a lion you know you're not going to be in a very responsive state you've got a big ass lion chasing you and the same thing just after training it's the same thing coming out of a meeting and you just have to be more responsive responsive to that i think Yes. So like just from experience with clients and experience with myself as well, it's just like, okay, I need to set up my day in such a way that with the bigger volume meals where I'm going to have my, maybe I'm going to have minced sweet potato and big ass portion of veg, it's going to take me 20 minutes to eat. Mm. And it should as well. Um, Rather than you giving yourself five Oh yeah, and, and it can it can be done. Like it's it, but it's it's not something to be um, worn with a badge of honor as well. Like uh, that's that's one one of the things where uh, when when I was growing up, that was always a problem. It was just like you eat too slow, and now I turn around, I'm like, no. Oh, that's that's a good no, that's a good point to make because that is something that actually I've been thinking a lot about. Is like, do we inherently take in things from from our parents that like when they were growing up? you were told to eat fast. And when they were growing up, it's like something that was like biologically ingrained in them that then they kind of pass on to us. But it's only now since that we have started to kind of open up these avenues and these pathways of understanding digestion a little bit more that like, you know, yourself, whenever we program that 5, 10, 15, 20 rule for clients, I'm like, look, you have to give yourself, you know, at the end 20 minutes to eat that meal. How many clients find it very difficult to start to adapt to that? I'd say 60, 70%, like a lot of people find it when you tell them, right, put your phone in front of you, 20 minute timer. You want from first mouthful to last mouthful to go that entire 20 minutes. People could do it in five and they just find it very hard. But that's a good point to make that, you know, potentially was, has this been ingrained in us since we're very, very young, you have to eat fast and eating on the go as well has been ingrained in us since like, because I even know like Harper, <clears throat> Harper, she's going into the senior infants. She'll be five. She'll be five on next month. And 
they do a lot of things that's correct inside their school. Like they go for daily miles every day where they do like two laps at a park. They do one walk lap, one run lap to get like their steps in. I think it's fantastic. But when they come in from their their steps, their teacher puts like a timer on for their lunch. So I'm like, first of all, probably in a bit of a sympathetic state there, Harper, you shouldn't really be eating your food. <laughs> um, but secondly, it's like, it's teaching them already. You have to eat fast. And I'm like, oh, it's probably shouldn't, something you shouldn't do to a kid. Like, yeah, it, like that, that's it's such a funny one. Um, it's just like, okay, eat as fast as you can to make sure you, you finish your plate. And it's just like, they're probably the, like, especially if you're going to be somebody who's coaching gem pop or you are gem pop yourself and you're not going to be tracking your food. It's just like, they're probably the two most backwards cues that we want. It's like, I, I want you to leave food on your plate and I want you to eat slowly. <laughs> yeah, as slowly as possible. If, if the goal is to, to learn how to eat, eat two hunger cues, which like as normal people, as 98% of your, your clients and stuff are going to be, it's like pretty, pretty big, important things that are very hard to get out of the habit of, of doing. Um, so like, and that, that's a really cool thing to do as well as um, trialing the eating, eating, like, eating to hunger cues and the only way you're going to be able to do that is um is by actually being mindful yeah which is difficult <laughs> which, which, yeah. which is definitely difficult oh and so and so this, this is, it's so hard for people to grasp that concept of being mindful around food and timing your meals timing counting how many times you chew from within those meals um but yeah i think like we can both agree stress is probably like you said to start it's probably one number one causation, but it's also one of them things that when you start to manage your stress a lot more, manage not only around the meal, but overall, you know, seeking improvements in your energy levels, seeking improvements in your sleep, seeking improvements if you track your HRV, stuff like that, resting heart rate function. But those will automatically almost correlate immediately towards a better digestive system. Just by that parasympathetic tone being more present, you know, what do we say? Parasympathetic, you're talking of your rest and digest, you're looking at sympathetic. You're not looking at rest and digest. You're looking at fight or flight kind of hit and run response. You don't want to be in that side of the autonomic nervous system when you're trying to digest um, when you're trying to digest food. So we kind of covered, covered a good bit on that on that stressor. Um, the, the, the next one, and probably something that people don't really correlate towards when they think about their digestion is fluid availability. So this is something that I've been looking into an awful lot more of lately is my client's fluid intake because the one thing that we've started to research a lot more into, I just read a phenomenal book called The Athlete's Gut and they talk a lot about fluid availability in here and when the, when the, one, the number one thing that they're trying to always look for is fluid secretion. So they have you know a, a rough kind of guideline, male or female, moderately active maybe training two to three times a week has a decent step count and um, could excrete excrete up to three liters of fluid per day through urination stool and sweat but if you think about that's the secretion rate of three liters like how many people would wouldn't even touch a liter and a half of fluid and they would be moderately active you know a lot of people when, when people come into us and we're starting to track their fluid and say I can't tell you the amount of like probably with over 80% of clients within the first week, we tell them immediately increase your fluid intake. You know, when you look at their fluid, a liter to a liter and a half 
of water and when when we track total fluid you may get to two liters but that two liters would probably come from some form of carbonated and sodium dense or caffeinated drink which you know probably wouldn't fall into the same category as just pure fluid because obviously what that the role that that's going to play from a hydration standpoint probably going to go more in the opposite causing more of a like diuresis effect but the one thing that i i think is is important to kind of note on this one when we're looking at fluid is fluid intake at a higher range can speed up digestive process because when we start to shut down the fluid intake again we think about secretion of fluid comes from urination sweat and still how we get fluid out of the body and when we start to look a little bit more into how fluid is secreted if we're pulling back from fluid it's then going to start to pull back from that secretion rate so if we're pulling back from fluid intake it's going to pull back on the amount of urination we pull back from fluid intake it's going to start to pull back from the amount of stool that we have and probably this may and we're going to talk about it a little bit later on we talk about constipation but definitely something to like know at the start as a big causation um you anything you want to throw into that no i think i think you explained that well yeah (laughs) i think that's probably a bit of an eye-opener for people because it's probably something that they don't really think about is fluid um but definitely definitely as coaches listening in like start start taking note of it but like i said an an average male or female can secrete up to three liters a day it's crazy to think about that when you when we really break it down and we look at that kind of seesaw effect inside in versus out you know we want to be kind of metabolizing it um especially when we look we look at it um like when you look at dehydration and its effect on performance it, it does tend to have like uh, some slight effects massively depending on the amount of dehydration that you're in yeah like up to like let's say you're you're two percent dehydrated now i can't actually put a direct number on that now um but like will will we'll looks to impede performance but it's also something that you won't notice so usually um usually when we're when we're tracking um hydration status um there's there's three things that we look for um again this is like just more of a from a performance nutritionist point of view um for like aerobic athletes or weight making athletes where we would look at things like um so there's the lick Likert test um, and then we would do things like um track like urine color via a scale of like i can't remember how many numbers it is like one, yeah. one to nine so we track that we'd also track perception of thirst being like low medium high or something like that and then we'd also track um drop in scale weight overnight um and i'm, I'm sure you've noticed that yourself especially when you're pushing up body weight yeah. um when you're pushing up body weight man i'm sure you've noticed you can drop two and a half kilo overnight yeah big time <laughs> um <laughs> Un- unwanted way to come off as well when you're yeah. trying to push <laughs> you just you just sweat a lot though. <laughs> and you know what even like the, the opposite end of that spectrum when we're looking at pulling pulling fluid how fast it can kind of come down in a sense as well you know when obviously with with peaking for photo shoots shows there's going to be huge effects on um you know water intake and secretion of water and the one thing that is hugely kind of correlated will which we're going to talk about now is also energy availability and when we're in a deficit 
and our energy availability is low and our fluid availability is low, we have to understand that those are two key components that your gut are going to just want and need. And it's it's a necessity that we keep that fluid availability high. And, you know, for a lot of our clients that may have experienced some kind of bloating, maybe some constipation in a prep, which is, by the way, I know it probably sounds pretty bad, but it's very, very common to happen when you're on a diet long-term. If you let your water slip up for a couple of days, like it is something that can happen. It's pretty damn common, but usually kind of quite an immediate fix. It kind of sounds pretty, pretty, uh, it sounds pretty, pretty straightforward, but bringing fluid intake up. But one thing that I'll say as well, for anyone who is listening to this, that may be suffering with, you know, some digestive issues, and when you're hearing us talk about fluid availability and you're saying to yourself, you know what, I actually do like drink pretty low fluid. I have a, re- I have a rule that when I'm bringing fluid up, I'll also try to bring up fiber intake as well. So I'll always try to just taper the, the two of them up. Seems to be a very, very good response rate when we do bring up the fluid and bring up their fiber as well, just to kind of throw a little side note into that one yeah i think we'd call that the we put some electrolytes and caffeine in there as well we would call it the poo stack yeah <laughs> yeah 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 big time, big time. i like that a yeah. bit of magnesium citrate in there as well um yeah uh, well it'll be something wrong if you have digestive issues or if you have conservation after that um right D-Man, do, you, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about about energy balance and the role that that's going to play with digestion yeah, um, so I suppose let's. I'm just going to call it like surplus versus deficit, um, and the effect that that is going to have. Um, so when we're, when we're pushing food up, um, and actually when we're dropping food down excessively as well, so we will see with like females with low energy availability, there will be um, some gut issues that we run into. But like the majority of the problems tend to come from people when we're pushing things up um so as we're pushing things up and i know we touched on it already but like pushing food up high is a massive stress or um so it, it can potentially drive some issues in digestion from that point of view um but also just the sheer sheer volume of food and making sure that we have things set up in a productive way um so like a couple of things that we can do there for example is let's say, let's say we, we look at meal meal timing um this this is somewhat important to a certain extent when looking to drive hybridry um but more so from the point of view of of getting meals in without any digestive issues um so probably going to be a good plan from it's probably going to be a good plan to not be eating um over a 16 hour window so that that's something that we will see with like pts especially is just like i'm gonna, gonna have my first client at six o'clock so i'm gonna have to get a meal in at five and then i'm gonna have my last client at nine o'clock i'm gonna get a meal in at 10 when i go home and i'm gonna slam it in and it's gonna be like a chock full of calories as well because i missed my yeah it, it, yeah like coaching is not a not a very like great job to have if you're looking after your health online um but yes so like not eating or completely around like trying to keep things to like a 12 hour eating window is going to be a good plan having your your meals set up in such a way where okay sir like all meals are not built equal um 
if I'm trying to get five meals in, I need to set this up around my training window where I would like to have like some meals. I probably going to need only need three hours. Some are going to need four. Um, if I, if I need to now, we're starting to nitpick here. Um, but what we can do is maybe, for example, if we run like two really light meals at the start of the day, so maybe we go like Rice Krispies and whey pre-workout and then post-workout again, we go low fiber, low fat, um, high, car- high carb, high protein. Mm-hmm. Um, we can probably have them meals like relatively close together. Maybe we'll have one like an hour before we train and then an hour post. Um that, that in itself will be fine, I believe. So that's personally what I will do. Like if I'm setting somebody up with, um, and they have a big massive food, a, a big massive meal where it's full of food volume, I would literally leave like four hours, nearly even four and a half, depending on the individual now, depending on how many meals I have to get in. Um, like leaving four hours after that. But if it's a light meal, it's a Rice Krispies and, or it's a Cocoa Pops and Whey, I can probably put another meal in two and a half, three hours after. Yeah. So and we don't, we don't want to be constantly putting food down on on top of undigested food on top of undigested food um, and it, it can very easily happen especially when you're pushing things hard and fast um, and then as for being in a deficit um so i haven't actually maybe you'll be able to have a better opinion on this now but looks of things unless you're in a, in a like a chronically low energy availability state where your, your gut is not used to handling food mm-hmm. um that usually causes digestive issues. Normally, like I will, if, if somebody's running into a roadblock with digestion, that's the first thing I will do. We'll pull into a deficit. Um, so it, 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 it's more so along the lines of, yeah, we, we might, but we've already touched on this already. We might run into constipation on that side of things. Um, yeah, we're going to go to that next. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Um, so that, that's something we might run into on the, in the deficit. But yeah, it's more so a problem in, the surplus or for clients that are really stressed which we've talked touched on already yeah and i think you know i think when we look at energy balance it is nearly like a combination of everything that we've just spoken about it's a combination of that just just share low like when you speak about energy balance being higher clearly like with the, with the food aspect but then when we talk a little bit more about energy being lower it's just low low food availability just like low fluid availability you know when, when there's low energy coming in the mechanisms that that food is going to drive are not going to be functioning. And, you know, I think one of the biggest causations that I have saw personally with people in a deficit is actually protein intake being, being probably too high. And whilst you're, you're in a deficit, you know, when, when, when you're in a deficit, naturally digestive function is going to start to slow down a little bit more. Now, this is why we'll, we will preach feeding habits a lot more. We will preach um, consistency in food a lot more. It's just that adaptation of response is going to kick in. When the body is used to something, when the body has become accustomed to something, it usually deals with it an awful lot better. And when we start to then bring in things in a deficit, that may disrupt, I think, number one. Number one thing I'll always do when we start to enter into a deficit with people is I will start to lower down the protein levels as as you know, body mass starts to come down. I'll always, I'll always track by lean body mass, which I know is probably, it's very hard to do at the start when somebody comes in, if, you know, a little bit high body weight. We're like, okay, we're trying to look through the mist a little bit and kind of guess around about number. But as they get leaner, like you'd be able to understand that a lot more. And I'll always pull that number down. And um, just to the simple fact that 
I'm always trying to keep protein levels in a very, very good range. And sometimes if it's just up that high, look, we understand that when protein comes in, it's probably one of the hardest, and I'm not going to say the hardest, but one of the harder macronutrients to break down. The body understands. And this is when, you know, we have to kind of think on that little bit of a deeper level when there is very, very low of energy, energy availability and protein comes in, the body recognizes and realizes effective immediately. It's not going to offer any energy. So the, the, the transitional effect it goes through of actually breaking that food down sometimes can cause a little bit of a misfire. And that's one thing that I've noticed when we look at energy availability, when we do start to pull that protein level back a little bit and start to trim down the protein level, a lot of times digestive function can actually improve. And constipation, like you said, was one of the main things that I've saw with clients and prep clients when they are in a deficit and quite an aggressive deficit that was always a very very consistent trigger point and you know it's kind of come from trial and error of understanding that okay what do we need to do to improve you know for a lot of people they'll say ramp up fiber intake oh well that's at times probably not the best thing in the world to do and again prevention better than cure here and fiber is not always the cause and for a lot of people they think you know if i have stomach issues just ramp up my veg when you actually look at like what does fiber do to the gastrointestinal system, <laughs> probably not like, the best. <laughs> probably not the best thing in the world. So, just to kind of recap on that on that energy balance, because now we're both kind of and that sounds very strange to say this, but we're both dying to jump into constipation and dying to talk a little bit more about uh, that one. But low energy availability, obviously, obviously transitioning immediately over into low bodily function is natural. Protein intake being too high can be one of the major causations. And then the kind of effect off that will be then constipation. Did you, I know when I said um, the fiber intake, did you want to throw anything into that one as well? Yeah. Um, so fiber will draw war into the gut. So it actually like, let's, let's say, for example, we are the, the goal. We look at somebody's food and we're like, okay. Right. We, we, the goal is to up your fiber. But the goal is not to up your fiber next week. Your goal is to up your fiber over the next three weeks. Um, if we throw 20 grams of fiber in on top of where you're already at, um, yes, we will bring you up to where you should be technically, but you're, you will not function properly. Um, now, I, I, can't, I can't, can't say for sure whether that will always be the case, but it's one of them things where we should be tapering up because we won't feel too fabulous push, putting it all in at once. Um, and it is like... It is one of the one of the big things that we all um no, I know it's it's not really related to us, but when when you're looking at like athletes making weight and stuff, it's like one of the one of a, a pretty effective way of uh, reducing gut volume is by is by or reducing body weight by by pulling fiber down as well. Yeah, big time. Um and you know, I think for, for a lot of a lot of people it it is that go to cause, but f- High fiber doesn't always mean high, um, high gut movement. At, at times, if you're in like a very low energy available state, and like you said, you just hugely spike, you're probably not going to get. If anything, it may make the problem worse before it makes it better. Like you said, very slow and steadily increments of fiber. I think is a, is a written rule. Um, but again, more kind of that that would be more along the lines of looking at it. Um, 
an immediate fix to a problem that needs to be resolved over a very long period. And when you look at, again, you look at constipation, people will always look for the quick fixes, laxatives, trying for whatever reason this came about. I don't know who created it, but driving fiber intake up, that's like fixing a problem there. And even though like fiber is not going to fix that problem, that's fixing a problem there and then. But we have to think what's the con- what's the, the causation of that. So when we look at constipation, because that's what we do want to kind of fire over into next, we'll co- talk about uh, constipation, bloating, kind of diarrhea, loose stool. Um, you do want you, you just take the run this one for, for a moment. Do you just kind of run through like what constipation is and the kind of ins and outs of it? Yeah. So like there's a, a couple of things that will we'll drive it in the most scenarios. Um, that being dehydration, um, low sodium potassium intake, um, low low fiber as well there um or that you know that that tends to be it um i'm sure i'm I'm sure there is definitely more i'm I'm sure sure there is more reasons why but that seems to be the most common that i will run into anyway where fixing stuff like that will help um as for like the on the opposite side of, of this the spectrum um Things that will drive loose stool, um, unless it's pretty pretty much everything that we touched on at the very start being like stress. Unless we so st- stress will be a, a pretty big one. Um, our running will be a pretty big one. Um, so running running wreaks havoc on digestion. Yeah. Um, it's it, yeah, it, it's one of them things where like, um, like especially like people who actually run properly not like me falling forward around Malahoy park um, they they will they will run into things like bloody bloody stool and stuff and they are they will actually just lo- lose their bowel as they're training i'm sure we've seen photos of your of that poor bloke lo- losing his arse down his legs um as he's doing a marathon and that's the, actually something that they touch on a lot in the book is that an the athlete's approach to um just that that bell emptying um, and you know there's there's a lot a lot of things again it's comp- so multifactional um but multifactorial should i say but um it's very interesting to, to say the least um of why it happens you know yes so especially with the with runners we'll see things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories will affect it fructose will affect it fiber will affect it and um, fat will affect it I don't know if protein will directly, but I can see it affecting it indirectly. Um, I, think, I think the absorption rate of, of protein may affect it. Like yeah. with your opinion, so we're thinking of more long, long, longer endurance. Um, yeah. And I know obviously when we factor in um, protein pre-workouts, we're, we're dealing with something completely different. So when we say this, nobody, like no pun intended, nobody shit the bed and say, I shouldn't be having like protein pre-training. We're talking more here about longer duration like oh, endurance yeah. athletes yeah i don't i i i personally can't see a benefit of having a protein in intake around that window maybe post but pre certainly i, I can't see it just in endurance athletes yeah um it, it, it's very um it's very depending on the athlete. Some people are absolutely fine. Like some people, especially if you've, if you run for your entire life and you're not at an extreme. So when, like, let's say for example, in his name's Patrick, isn't it? He's an, uh, that wrote that book. Um, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Um, so like when we look at like the big 
big gut issues that tends to be um that tends to be in like more advanced level athletes but if we're looking at like just normal people going going for a run it doesn't tend to ever be the problem um i can't say i can't say ever so retract that statement but it, it looks to be less likely of a problem in normal people yeah um i think i think a good one to kind of we're not going to dive into but even speak about it is like when you're talking about more of endurance-based athletes as well their protein requirements are always way like it seems to be way less than if you're looking at a trained individual you know, I know we will always kind of it's, it's always just wild numbers but we'll always go from kind of like that 0.8 up to 0.1 up to 0.1.2 gram per pound they go way less they could be like 0.3 to 0.5 gram per pound seems to be like a going run on high endurance athletes um yeah so I, i'm looking at things in per kilo so it would be i think the the ideal amount is 1.6 grams per kilo uh, for endurance athletes um which per pound um yeah <laughs> I, think, I think i think in the in the in, in the book they had a point i think it was 0.8 per kilo which would have resulted in around 0.4 per pound i think would be yeah. sorry point eight point point eight per kilo is yeah that's that. what patrick will that's what patrick wilson references as yeah and that's that's interesting um and now, now he now he seems to be very anti-protein in the book so maybe that's his maybe his rationale he's probably thinking a lot of those gut issues might be relating towards protein so maybe he's just spiraling it down low but that's just the numbers that he was referencing in the book yeah i suppose well like he, he must be anti-training training adaptation as well because if, we, if we're going to be we want to be driving adaptation we do we do need like like that baseline of 1.6 grams per kilo there but it, do, it does make sense to me for us to like especially if you're training yeah, this point eight. I, I might be able to find it but he says um he's point eight is his is his number just give me two seconds um so see see on on the constipation when when you when you and obviously we, we talk a lot about the like prevention aspects and we're going to talk you know we spoke about like keeping fluid intake quite high keeping um energy availability quite high when you kind of run into it with with clients in the past what would be a kind of a point of action for you to go to when you do kind of hit that with people um so it would more so be like or just be going back over let's say for example i've been working for somebody with six weeks and we, we've just ran it ran into it this week okay so there was just just this week something was different um, and let's go back and look at look at the rest of the weeks and be like okay right um what, what exactly is is different here um what, what exactly has changed um and again like, some of these things are like un, untrackable like like it might just happen and we could try find and we could try say it was this, but it might make us just make us sound great as coaches and it might just be a, a guess at what's happening. Um, so if, if, if I run into things like, um, if I run into things on a, on, and it's just one week, um, unless I can see like directly what it might be, like could it be a lack of sleep induced increased stress, leaving, leaving that maybe, um, so unless I can directly find anything, I probably won't say anything on week one. I'll be just like, okay, right, I have this, I have this taken down. Let's keep an eyeball on this next week. Okay, go back and read over your, your eating habits and, and stuff that we should be doing. 
um, that should fix things. But let, let's let's get 14 days strung back to back before I'm like, okay, let's do something about this. Um, I don't know, are you the same there? Yeah, I, I really don't like to put in actions against it. Um, on on prep, we'll have you know certain things that will does it. Doctor Stuart Schwartz. Is that how you pronounce Dr. Schwartz? They create a valerian tea. They actually have a very, very good lax tea. Um, that's like really low in like laxative amount, but has like some really cool vitamins in there. That seems to get bell movements moving quite quickly. But again, that's I would only really recommend that for a prep client. Um, we do have a lot of things that I, I, I will focus on and kind of just kind of overviewing what we've already spoken about, a slight increase of fluid intake, a really big emphasis on stress management levels. Um I, I like to bring in, you know, a very small amount of, you know, fruit now from within certain meals. So potentially pulling in some pineapple, potentially pulling in some kiwi. It more tends to just kind of improve overall digestive function, not saying that like pulling in a pineapple is going to cure constipation straight away. But the enzymes that are found in them just help digestive health more or less. And well, I think when you take, when you more, again, take the action of stress into it and really like looking at pulling away pulling down potentially training volume, pulling down if they're on like high cardio. Again, we're just talking more about prep aspects here. And um, if they're in you know, high cardio state, I'll look at just kind of pulling things down. Because like we know with constipation, it's just that slow down transit entering into the colon. And like you just have to ask the question why. And I think that's, that's something that probably we do very well is we always take the step back and ask the question of why we don't just, like you said, if it happens on week one, you don't just jump in there and you're like, right, here's a here's a here's a fix to the problem. You'll take a step back and you'll say, okay, well, why did this happen? And let's see if it happens again. Let's not just jump at a conclusion to say this is this is a reason as to why that happened. But for us, just just looking at really just looking at stress in that standpoint, to be completely honest, small, very small and minute things just to kind of improve bell movement and frequency. But a lot of the times, like you said, it is just taking that step back and saying, okay, if it happened today, may not happen tomorrow. When we do put in those little actions, they can definitely help get things moving. But I think, like you said, just trying to ask the question of why and just always, always working on that prevention is better than cure aspect, like making sure we're, and as coaches, staying on top of the small details with them, like, you know, staying on top of their fluid intake, staying on top of their, and obviously in a, in a prep, it may be different, but staying on top of their energy availability um, and just just keeping note of absolutely everything. You know, look, if there's something that's causing a trigger, that trigger needs to be removed. But I think with, um, we'll, we'll kind of maybe touch on bloating after this, but people have just become so accustomed to becoming bloated. People have become so accustomed to having poor digestive health because they've had it their entire life. They're like, well, I, I always get constipated or I always suffer with bloating. It just kind of seems to be the norm. A lot more in females than males, I think. And I think as well, a lot of them will kind of, because a lot of females may suffer with that level of PMS where bloating may may occur. And there's a lot that we can kind of do to manage that it's probably not not a lot that we can do to really like overcome it and cure it it's just something that's going to happen you know around that time but for them i think they just become so so accustomed to it which is kind of crazy to think that you you would become accustomed to something that is so wrong but for us it's just taking note you know if if we have a trigger like i don't like to run 
elimination diets with people because I think for a lot of time it may be a lot more effort than it's worth but for in some some cases if a client is suffering from a field like a trigger field like I said if it's a trigger that's always causing that like if some people may may have an intolerance to gluten or may have an intolerance to this and if they're consistently like ramming oats in every morning that 20 minutes after the oats go down, they feel this massive bloat or it may speed up still or slow things down. It could be worth maybe running something that could we could be eliminating those trigger points. But some people, I think, become so accustomed to it that they'll nearly want to keep in the trigger fields because they like to have them, even though they're causing that much discomfort and, you know, digestive uh, mishap. Yeah, I, I've... I've kind of stuck some across that quite a lot as well um, and it can be it's a, it's a tricky one to deal with um, as like no it, it, of course it's not at the same extent but it is a a, a slight form of self-sabotage I suppose um, what, yeah, yeah you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong yeah um, no obviously I was kind of as you could probably see in my face, I was reluctant to say. You were very hesitant to say that. Yeah, yeah but you yeah. know what? I'm kind of happy you said it because it may open people's eyes up more. Because, like I said, you're not wrong in what you're saying. You are right in what you're saying. People are living with it and becoming comfortable. There are people are becoming very comfortable being uncomfortable, but they are the causation of that uncomfort. Yeah, like I'm, I know, like Lucci is the perfect example. You know, Lucia is a perfect example because she's the most rational human in the world. He's not like I, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm like compared to her, we are we are here when it comes to the rationality scale. But like, um, let's say for example, this is it's a, it's a meal. Let's say for example, even in today is a perfect example um, where it, it's Easter, so we were having having a meal together where she would just be like, "No, can't do that. Sorry." I'll feel crap after and it's like and it's actually solely from a digestive issue point of view um, and she, she's she's right because she, she knows so well and but it's just like that should be a decision that's just there it's just like no I don't want to feel crap for the next 90 minutes no thank you um, now of course these are things that we run into by accident and it's a different story but if it's something like okay I'm probably going to feel crap after that so let's but I'm going to do it anyway and so it's like um, okay Right. Let's let's not do that. Let's work on why that's happening, and uh, let's let's try uh, get to the bottom of that kind of thing. One thousand percent. So so correct. But again, it, it it probably does. And you know, I I only had this conversation with one of my clients this morning. We were talking about we we're talking about you know just just clients in general. And you know what I kind of brought to the conversation is that you know there's the small things that we take for granted, clients don't understand. So it's so easy for myself and yourself to sit here and have this conversation and a lot of our listeners our coaches will listen in to say we understand that you know we know if something disrupts your digestion that you're to pull that food out but general pop people don't understand that and i think sometimes we do take our knowledge around what we may think are very simple things for granted and this is why we do these topics and this is why you know something that may seem as simple as that we're still going to bring it to the table and we're still going to talk to talk about it because if this sparks a 
little bit of an onset of maybe for some coach out there to put out a post on this topic or to speak to your clients about it or to do something that may just spark an awareness in somebody to say, oh, well, maybe that food is causing the problem and maybe I need to bring that food away to actually improve my digestion. It's definitely worth having that conversation big time. I, I think it's, 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 also, it's also really in, important and it, it's kind of, it's, it's a humbling thing to say as well, but unless you have a name tag that says god junior you have no idea what we're talking like this is just so damn complicated that we like yeah. to think we're understanding what's going on but we don't yeah. this is just like okay this might help so let's yeah. let, let's let's try it um sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't let's, let's try it again it's like i have no definitive answer to any definitive question and yeah. it's heartbreaking it is absolutely heartbreaking but it's the the truth yeah um, and on, on le- unless you are somebody who has spent 15, 20 years on this one direct topic, then you can probably say, you could be wrong. You could, de- like, you could be wrong, but you can definitely with confidence say, okay, this is, this is what I feel. But like in, in me, your position, I suppose, is just like, okay, well, this is what looks to be the case. Um, yeah. and, and kind of running with that with like, Basically every single every single topic I touch on, <laughs> but but everything is so multifunctional. Like you you can't just pinpoint one thing, and that's why you know when we spoke so far about bloating, we spoke so far about constipation. We didn't just say one thing. We've said it could be a potential of fifteen to twenty different things, and this is why when when we program, we may program in you know small little things throughout your day as clients and probably a lot of our clients are now like listening to this and understanding like things like daylight exposure, keeping neat net neat levels, not like stupidly excessive, you know, keeping everything in a very controlled environment. You know, a lot of our clients work off food plans, a lot of them don't, a lot of them work off um, you know, um macros and calorie breakdown. And one of the big things we preach is food quality because we know that food quality at a good rate is going to only improve and um, that rather than kind of impairing it just to kind of just touch back on that i found the protein thing we were talking about um minimum sorry mi- i should have said that the minimum protein level they'll allow for high endurance base is 0.4 grams per pound minimum sorry i thought i said maximum earlier on that's what caused yeah. that confusion yeah, I was- that, that, that definitely makes things a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> Because I was just, as you said, that I was like, okay, well, there's more opportunity for me to be wrong than he is. And I'm pretty confident that my hands are right here. So, so. Yeah. No, I don't know. And when I was saying it, I knew I was off when I was saying it as well. And when we listened back, we're probably going to be like, yeah, you were off. I think I was saying we were talking about the maximum. Yeah, but the word there, they were saying minimum. That's where they, those yeah. numbers came from. I was right in the numbers, though. I still remember the numbers, but we said minimum, yeah. not maximum. Yeah. You just had them all. Did it, did them it a, a max? They didn't. No, they said you said minimum for endurance. Yeah, minimum. Um, right. So we we covered more or less diarrhea, bloating, and um, constipation. And um, just what the last thing I want to say, just touch on very briefly, is just when, when we talk about nutrition. And um, obviously, as a whole, it's an extremely complex topic to kind of preach about, but. When we're talking about field and kind of programming field and specifically around the training window, I think is going to help people to, to just to, to kind of improve digestion. Um, is there any specific protocols that you'll take from a programming perspective, whether it's food sources or anything in particular around 
that training window, peri-workout window to improve digestion? Um, only if, so, so this is, this is, if you would have had this conversation with me two years ago, I would have said, okay, we are, well, what we know, we, we want to be driving um, high, high carb, high protein uh, after we train. And yeah, we, of course we want to be doing that, but we, but we, there's nothing directly I will do anymore. Yeah, I feel like um, you're going to open up a can of worms this answer. No, so, so there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing directly I will do. Um, the minute benefits, um, see, this is with people that are fine. If, if, people, if people have digestive issues, they have the, the digestive issues, where I will pull out my toolbox and I will chip, chip away one, one or two things being like, okay, right. Like all of the things I touch on where I will pull fiber out of the training window pre and post. Um, I probably will, for strength training athletes, it doesn't seem to be a problem, fat. So I probably would keep fat in the pre-workout meal. Protein servings is just like, okay, right, I want to keep these nice and easy and light. Um, something that sits well might not be a lean mince here. I might use, I don't know, like I don't, I don't. Some, sometimes what I might do actually, um, if, if whey set sits well with people, I'm not against using it twice around the workout window. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't use it in, in kind of like full protein servings either. So meaning, let's say for example, somebody's a, a bigger, like, or somebody's gaining and they're having, I don't know, 120 grams of, Rice Krispies two hours before they train, like there's going to be a, a, a byproduct of protein in there as well. So even like a twenty gram scoop away on top of that will be enough for to, to drive it. That's something that yeah, that's something that I've done a lot more lately is scale, start to scale back the amount of of protein around the training window and getting incredible responses from it yeah. all around. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I suppose it's it's one of them things where especially when we're setting the push food, you don't realize it's just like especially because you go from being in, in if you go from being in a deficit you're like more food i definitely always feel better but then as you push things it's like mm. you become a slug yeah you you know it's it doesn't matter how much cardio you keep in when you start to push food get getting out of the bed becomes harder um little things like that now if, if you're if you're quite robotic in your ways you don't tend to notice until you pull things down you're like oh I, I feel pretty good um now there and like walking that tightrope of how can I drive performance whilst still feeling fantastic, while still being able to work well, being still able to focus on my college work, being not chronically inflamed, not seeing blood glucose going to being kind of like th- things like that. That, um, and I know we're, we're going to look at blood glucose um, on the next podcast. That will be a, a very interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I think you're a hundred percent, and like I think f- feedback is just so important as well. You know the reason why we we utilize such a in-depth you know check-in form and consultation approach is just get that feedback and i think from a nutritional perspective it's it's very very difficult to generalize you know some people you could give them 60 grams of protein pre-workout and they could be fine you give them 60 grams of protein post-workout and they could just absorb it cool some people have to scale it back so much that they're only getting like 10 to 15 and some of that may be coming from trace as well. And maybe 10 things a little bit low. Maybe we kind of hit up maybe the 20 mark coming from trace as well, but it just, just completely boils down to that individualized approach. But I did, I did want to touch on it because I wanted to touch on it to open up that question and open up that response of nothing can be generalized. You know, it'd be very, very 
unethical of the two of us to come on and say, right, this is an exact approach that you need to take to improve your digestion around the post-workout window and pre-workout window. I personally just feel like getting an adequate response from the client of what they enjoy. Like you said yourself, if you want to give them Rice Krispies and Cocoa Pops pre and post-workout because you know that they can digest that food post-workout, you know, 45 minutes to an hour after they train, resting heart rate has dropped down. And then an hour after that, they can sit down and have like a salmon and rice meal. They can sit down and have a chicken and potato meal or chicken and this and a bagel here, something else. But what we're trying to do is kind of align them for better digestive function nearly later on throughout the day. You know, if, if you know yourself, if you were to train legs now and an hour later sit down and have steak and pasta, you are going to be crippled and not, not even crippled with digestion, but I can guarantee you fatigue is going to set in pretty damn quick. You're not going to be able to think straight or function. And it, it just comes down to, to being, being appreciative of what the clients have to do as well. You know, I think, for a lot of times it's so easy for us to to throw throw food plans together and be like right i can give you, you know two bagels with jam pre-workout i can give you 200 grams of cocoa pops post-workout like if you were to give them that amount of like most of that coming from very very easily digestible protein sources you know or carbohydrate sources giving them like really easy digestible protein like but then they have like a lot of stuff later on throughout the day like their appetite is probably going to pretty much spike throughout the day like if you give them that early on two to three hours later, like kind of probably hit like a pretty big like spike if they're in meetings during the day and if they're, you know, very active in their day. Um, that's a very, I suppose, unappreciable approach. And if you kind of maybe scheduled food around that window, that may be offering probably a bit more of a benefit to digestive function and appetite later on, which appetite isn't even something that we touched, but we probably should have touched inside this podcast as well. I love appetite stuff because appetite stuff is, is very... Um, it's very cool to look at very very cool I've actually spent, spent a decent bit of time look, looking at that recently we'll, we'll do that at some stage as well yeah, I, I definitely. Really definitely now well, I think just on that one we'll we'll, 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 <clears throat> we'll kind of just finish up on the, the, the little points on that when we look at pre and post workout window it's very easy to give a recommendation it's very easy to say look this is what we think is right but it just kind of boiled down to you as an individual look if you if you can handle you know more dense field post then it's that's suited for you if you can then if you can handle and you prefer to handle like you said you know 120 grams of rice krispies in some way pre-workout because you can handle that then you go and do it you know it, it does boil down to you i think from from a performance perspective Hard, hard to give recommendations as well on on that one. Um, from from directly from a performance perspective, um, so we we, de- we definitely will see an like we definitely will see an increase in performance with carbohydrate present in the pre workout. Oh yeah, but I, I, I was more going along the lines of sources. Oh yeah, um, so sources. No, there's not n- nothing. It's a funny one. Like the the more kind of like the more educated I get on these topics, I'm just like nothing really matters. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was just about to say, the more the more you look into this, it's very difficult to say this is going to offer more than this. Like if we were to look at it, and again, probably two years ago, my answer would have been completely different. But 
I would more now say, well, if you got a hundred grams of carbs in, it would be more beneficial than getting, you know, this exact food source. You know, whatever oh, that carb source is going to come from, that you're going to digest it more and you're going to feel more comfortable to be able to train. What we always say, when you feel good, you look good. When you look good, you play good. Like if you're going to eat a food source that makes you feel pretty good and makes you perform pretty good, does it really matter what the food source is? Did you say we always say that sentence has never come out of my mouth? I, that's an ADLE coaching catchphrase, team catchphrase. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a that's a good wrap up one, right? So you see, you you want we want to cover glucose routine. We're, we haven't we haven't got the guest in yet, but we may be cover. We may be either so we're either going to cover blood glucose or diabetes next. That's going to be the next one. And we will, again, we will make a conscious effort. We, we just, to be completely honest, we've just been so busy that we haven't had the time to come on and do them. But we are going to make a conscious effort because we, are, we know we do so little, but people really do appreciate them. And we actually do get like some pretty great high uh, listens on them as well. So uh, thanks, Rathi. I really appreciate that, buddy. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. All right, yeah. We'll wrap up there. Thanks, Mel, guys. Speak to you soon.